0: So you're a a seminary professor. In the last few weeks, do you believe that any of your students have submitted term papers written by (laughs) ChatGPT?
1: Yeah, you know, so I didn't know what it was, to be honest, until like two or three weeks ago. And I don't know if that just like... People need to delete this podcast off of their podcast feed, you know, because we're supposed to be talking about like the church, and it's got a cultural moment, and I had no idea what it was. Yeah, well, so I was at like this this event, and this young guy and I were I had been speaking at this event, and this young guy and I uh, had lunch, and he asked me about it. He, what's it called again? Sorry, Derek. Uh, Chat
0: Chat GPT. The company is called open ai and the first thing i heard about was they have this other program called dolly where you can type in prompts for art and then the ai makes this incredible ai art and that's what i want to talk about blown away by that yeah um and this was like six seven months ago well then recently they came out with the text-based one chat gpt and that's actually got more traction in in pop culture so yeah
1: yeah 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 so i was at this event in the in this this a young guy. He's probably like early 30s, um, which I guess tells you like how old I'm getting. But maybe early 30s, maybe late 20s. He's like, yeah, so as a professor, what are you doing with chat GPT? Um, and and I was like, oh, I, 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 like, I was totally had no idea what he was talking about, but didn't want to be like... I don't know. I guess I was being, uh, uh, uh well, we uh,
0: use the GPA <laughs> at our school, but yeah,
1: I, I I knew that this was something I should know, but I had no idea what it was. Right. So I just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you think? And you know, he talked about it and then, and then I happened to like fly home and then on the news, like that night on the PBS news hour, there was a story
0: about it, you know? And, uh, and by the way, and, uh, not to call you out, but I know that you're getting old now. If you're hearing about stuff on PBS I, News, I,
1: exactly, that
0: is totally the Andy totally of 15 idea. years ago that I first met would have been like months ahead of this. But now you're I know on the PBS uh, News Hour. That's really touching. Yeah it is really, really
1: sad. And now I go to Denny's at four o'clock for dinner, you know, like it's, it's that, it's that road. And I actually do like to eat dinner very early. So, um, I'm on, I'm on my way, but you know, like the thing that shocked me as I, as I, I kind of went down this rabbit hole is, uh, first of all, I, I know, well, I've had students, I don't know if students, are, I'm, I'm sure there's students who are going to, use it. Like, this guy told me that he put into it that he wanted it to write him a sermon. Me, he's a pastor. He wanted him to write write him a sermon, a kind of uh, William Barber kind of type sermon. And he said it came out and it was pretty good. Like, it was a pretty good sermon. And I was talking to my students about this and, uh, like, they, they put in had it write a poem about me it wasn't a great poem about me because i don't think it really captured how sexy i am and things like that but um you know like they that was a joke uh they did uh it it came out and it was decent you know so i so this is the thing that really i find fascinating is that we thought that uh ai was coming and when it would come it would just completely disrupt like labor markets and situations like that you know so you would have kind of like remember wally you know like where people just stop doing anything because there's no no purpose on doing anything right and so this this apocalyptic kind of uh i don't even know if that was about ai but it was at least about some kind of you know Computer automation. Or it was something more about like, like
0: uh, human consumption just taking over yeah. the world, and then the robots. Yeah, yeah. Because there was the, mess, the right? only
1: thing to do was to consume. There was no other purpose to human life, right? So, so we we lose that. But there had been this deep sense like that labor markets would be completely upended. The thing that I find so interesting about this with with uh, Chat GPT um, is that it it one of the things that it does really well is art. And particularly poetry and, you know, like the way it does visual art and the way it does poetry, um, the way it can write a story, particularly a children's book. Like that is freaking amazing, uh, you know, first. But secondly, this is this is where my apocalypticness goes. Like this is my little apocalyptic fears. So here we are, been you know, talking on this podcast for I don't know how many episodes we have, Derek, 50 episodes or something. And this all circles back to like the secular age. And you know, one of our patron saints, of course, of this, of this podcast is Charles Taylor. And Taylor starts his work in the 1960s, as we've probably referenced already in, in, in the back catalog of these episodes, writing his dissertation against behaviorism. And the sense that what the human being is, is just a big machine that can be programmed through stimuli and response. You know, that all of our responses and all of our actions really aren't really actions at all. They're just kind of response stimuli. And he writes that and thinks, well, that's, that's bullshit. And he, you know, of course he doesn't quite say it that way, but he deconstructs that and shows that that can't be possibly true that um, that a human being is not just a big response animal or response machine. And one of the places he goes and continues to go back through in all of his philosophical works is that the reason that human action can't be reduced to stimuli, the reason that the sources of ourselves need some kind of like religious capacity, the reason that the sacramental should not be lost from, our late modern world, the reason that there should still be some kind of yearning and some searching for some transcendent call within the world. All is because in a certain sense, there he thinks that this all needs to be searched for because we still are the weird animals who write poetry. That we are the weird animals who still create these artistic expressions. Um, and I the thing that's kind of shocking and maybe apocalyptic is we knew AI was coming for our labor markets in the way we worked. I don't think we ever thought that AI was coming for our art. What I worry about, what my apocalyptic worry about, and I'm sure those who kind of know more and more about AI will push back on this. And there are others like, um, uh, Gabrielle, uh, Marcel, I think is his name, who uh, teaches at Bonn, has written some great books on epistemology and like AI and and things like that, and he really wants to make a case that like, um, you know, like it 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 to get to to get a network to be able to do the kind of things that our brains do is is really far away from that so there may be ways to push back against that except it does feel with chat gpt that there is a way that it passes the turing test you know what i mean like the the sense of it it, it's able to confuse us it's able to convince us the one interacting with it that it that it is a human being you know or that it has that kind of that kind of consciousness so even if it doesn't even if it's even if it's it's you know the point is
0: it it could fool you like you it, could it submit could a paper you. to a teacher, and they would have no clue no, that it was written no clue, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. But what concerns me is not, oh, there goes the education system, and now every student paper is going to be just written by this AI. That probably every college class my kid starts next fall, he'll be using this program, and he'll never write a paper. I mean, that's that's disturbing in its own right. But I just think, well, we can work around that. We'll just do oral. We'll just do oral stuff. You know, we'll just have you come in and and talk through stuff. I mean, there's d- different dynamics to go to. What I worry about apocalyptically is if art becomes just the mechanisms of the AI, what happens to the human spirit? Like one of the things, even in this reductive secular age that we have a harder time holding on to Deep senses of transcendence that uh, it, it becomes harder and harder for us to be aware of something outside of us to reach for. That there has been a sense that that the spirit, that you know, and I mean spirit with a kind of uh, kind of Hegelian lowercase s, like the the human spirit is still mobilized and is still in some sense healthy and active because there is this drive for artistic expression. You know, every thirteen year old who breaks up has their first breakup has to go and, you know, listen to sad songs or whatever. Um, that we that we can be moved by these things. You know, that these that we're still moved by that reality. Now what I what my apocalyptic fear is, and if I was writing a screenplay like this would be What I would imagine is what happens if we have a generation or two of people who just decide, you know what, there's no reason for me to ever create anything. There's no reason for me to sit down at a piano and write about how sad I am because I can just put it into put those in into a uh, A.I., engine and it can just spit out a song for me. And every song I listen to has been created by a music industry that uses AI to create songs. So even when I'm listening to sad songs, I'm not really listening to another human being pouring their heart out in loss and in yearning or in celebration or whatever. I'm just listening to an app that that created this. I just wonder what that does to the human, human spirit. Like, um, yeah, if there's no reason, if there's no reason to create anything or express anything anymore because an app can do it better or an app has even worse harvested all the best of human, of kind of human creations. I'm thinking like in the visual arts here, like being able to harvest that and learn all that and then just simply takes it in and, and, and can, uh, you know, can spin it in a, in a, in a better way because it just has so much access to so many different perspectives, um, i don't know i it if it, it feels it feels quite frightening to me and it does kind of link up with the charles taylor thing like i think taylor right now is you know his his book um his his later books are are all on on kind of poetry he's kind of writing a prologue to poetry he thinks poetry still has something significant for us and i do too i mean i end the um church after innovation really thinking like we don't need churches to be hubs of innovation we need to create schools of poetry uh but i do wonder what happens if all of a sudden you have an app that can do it for you you know and uh and it it gets better
0: and better at doing it The best tweet that I saw about ChatGPT was, and I I don't remember who said it, it just came across my feed one day, but the guy said, basically, every sci-fi writer since the 1950s has talked about how the robots would uprise and take over. What they never saw coming was the robots would make content infinite and render everything in life meaningless, and I thought that was really fascinating. The other thing I wonder don't you think this is just going to take that ethic of authenticity and just spike it into overdrive afterburner territory? Because if everything's just getting churned out now, content and art and all that stuff can be done by an AI, isn't that just going to make authentic expression even that much more valuable in that sort of? context Pot- potentially i think it
1: could do two, one of two things it could make it even more valuable and give us these kind of islands of authentic expression where like those who can truly transcend the the the, the terminators the the robots and actually do some kind of human expression like th- there'll be almost there could almost be a kind of sense of like godness to it you know what i mean like the utter rock god that you could kind of transcend that i think i think it also has the potential so it could do that but i think it has the potential of, of bringing down the age of authenticity i think it has the potential of crashing it because wh- what's the point what's the point of trying to be authentic what's the point of trying to mine your most expressivist creative ways to be yourself that You'll never be more creative, and you'll never be at least as fast as the AI. And so, what's the, what's the point? And I guess the only creative endeavor then becomes those who actually write these programs. But even those will transcend the 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 kind of creativity and the spirit of the one who creates it. So I think it has the potential to actually make the ethic of authenticity, which is really embedded in the fact that we believe every individual is their own little artist having their own content and their own content expresses their own unique self. And that needs to be respected that it has the potential of being like, well, what's the point of any of it? You know, like why? And so I don't know what comes after that. I I mean, you know, like we've been critical of the excesses of the, age of authenticity on here but it also is a really good thing i mean it does turn and say everyone has a unique expression and they should they should articulate that they should make some kind of broad artistic assertion of their ex- experience maybe art with a lowercase a like you know like you that it's the art of being you and uh at one level my gosh that becomes narrow and it can become potentially like luther's definition of sin turned completely in on yourself but what kind of despair is it when it's like you don't feel any necessity to even express anything because you've already been beat to it by this algorithm, by this ability of this AI to, to do it. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I think that it does kind of have the potential of um, upending it. And I, I guess you know that always assumes that, that the human spirit decides that it isn't worth. It isn't worth uh, creating any, any more artistic expressions it, that it really isn't worth. I mean, what happens if we don't think it's worth anymore? Really dwelling in and wrestling with what is a lifetime and why do I live it? You know, Uh, or you could just put that into, put that into the, the the chat GPT and let it answer the question: What is a lifetime and why do we live it? You know, I mean, at another level, I really do believe with Charles Taylor that, um, what it means to be a human being, or what it means to even think, or what it means to know, is uh, you can never. We are never just. Brains and vats, you know what I mean. Like you can't just—we're not just brains that you could take out and put in vats. Like what it means for us even to think is to be a body and it's to be able to feel something and touch something. So in that sense, like a computer could never do that. And so I don't think that like these program, like this this AI, could ever reach and actually have the complications of human epistemology. But I do worry that it could short circuit for a generation or two, people being willing to even. Try Like, what's the point?
0: The other big thing about AI technology is its big limitation is that it's iterative. Like, it can only imitate things that have already been created by human beings, at least at this point. Right. And what's interesting about art, at least in our pop culture, is there's always that artist that just seemingly comes out of nowhere and breaks through what's been done already and and comes up with a totally new variation on that that nobody's seen before. And then that sort of sets the tone for the next thing. So from our generation, I think of like Nirvana or Pearl Jam or those grunge guys where everything was cheesy 80s hair bands. And then yeah. Kurt Cobain comes out of nowhere. And it just totally takes that form of music in a totally different Direction and there's lots of obviously uh, examples of this in all sorts of art forms across all sorts of mediums. That's the thing the AI can't necessarily do is it can't break through can't. to that level. Right. So that's where there's it, always going to be the need for human artists. I think it, it can't to, to get but, past that iteration.
1: It can't. But and you know maybe I'm just playing the, the the old man get off my lawn card here. But what it could do is it could convince generations of people to not even try. That there isn't even a point to it. And we're already dealing with a deeply depressive kind of late modern society for multiple reasons. And so, you know, like your, your analog here of, of, of uh, Kurt Cobain and Pearl Jam, I mean, at some sense, like those guys didn't even give a crap about being famous. Or, like, you know, there's a great story of Eddie Vedder. And who, clearly
0: it didn't uh, solve all of Kurt Cobain's problems in his no, life either. That's no, 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 That's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: But there's that great story of, of Eddie Vedder, like, after after their first album just goes huge and he has to get away and he, he hates it. He hates how popular they've become. And he's, like, walking alone in the mountains, like, hiking for days. And he comes upon these, like, you know, he's hundreds and hundreds of yards away, but he hears these he hears these teenage kids singing one of his songs, and he yells down in the mountain, "Stop singing my song!" <laughs> which you know you can imagine being like those high school girls, and all of a sudden Eddie Vedder is screaming at you because you're singing his song. But he didn't even he didn't want that. He didn't he didn't want to be for the masses, which is you know interesting in its own right. Which you know maybe we talk about the nineties at some point in this in this podcast. But um, but there's still this deep desire, even if they didn't want to be part of the machine of the music industry to be able to express something that wasn't being expressed out there. To say something that wasn't being said and um and to say it in a way that it wasn't being said. And I I guess what I worry about um is generations of people just waking up and being like, what's the point? Like, you know, yeah, I don't really even like the AI created music, but like i I guess it's back to your tweet. Like I'm so overwhelmed with content that um, that in some ways the, even the tools of expression have been t- taken out of my hands and the only way even to make music now is just to put in eight keywords and let it spit it out you know there isn't you know there there isn't even even the process of like learning to play an instrument or you know struggling struggling to, to kind of to find that so the creativity it, it just takes becomes, the
0: it takes the blood sweat and tears out of the creative process which is the true magic of it all yeah yeah And the other interesting thing for me is we always assumed that automation was going to hit the working class jobs like manufacturing and and those sorts of things. What it's really going for now is the creative class jobs like realty and copywriters at advertising agencies. I mean, what's what's interesting, mid-level coders, you know, at programming companies, it's going to hit the sort of middle creative class more than it's going to hit the lower class, which is fascinating, too. Yeah, and it's fascinating
1: because I think in one way, like we've had a, a generation telling kids like get into the creative class because you'll be safer from the, the disruptions of networked computers and, you know, just a digital age. And yet I think what we're seeing here is not, not so fast actually. Um, and I just think that's fascinating that the things we would have thought, oh, AI will never be able to do, like write a children's book.
0: Um, now it can do it. A couple of weeks ago, I wrote a sermon. This is true confession now. I wrote a sermon. After I finished my sermon, I typed in to chat GBT, write a sermon on the text I was doing. There were two points that I hadn't even thought of that this chat GBT brought in. I brought those into my sermon and it made it better because of it. It was crazy. So it works, folks. So the, there you go. That should be on the podcast too. Yeah. <laughs> When Church Stops Working, featuring Dr. Andrew Root. is a podcast produced by me, Derek Tronsgaard. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Baker Publishing. You can grab Andy's brand new book, The Church After Innovation, which is out now on Amazon or wherever else you get your books, and look for his other titles as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time for another round of When Church Stops Working.